Hey everybody, it's Jesse Mornock, the Director of Marketing at 7 Figure Flipping. Today's podcast, we're talking about sales tools with Andy McFarlane. I know we just did one from Andy McFarlane, but you can never have enough Andy McFarlane. He's Bill's mentor. He's one of the best in the business, one of the largest wholesalers in the country. When he talks, we listen. And guess where else he's going to be talking? Flip Hacking Live. It's coming up. It's in October. If you haven't got your ticket, what are you doing? The price is going up. The ticket link is in the description of this podcast. We'd love to see you. Come see Andy McFarlane at FHL. That's enough for me. Here's the podcast. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Thank you guys for showing up. I am grateful for you guys showing up in your lives, right? Intro, a little bit about me. If you guys were not here yesterday, I'll tell you, I've been in real estate for over 20 years now. Over 20 years. And I know my face doesn't look like I'm not, you know, like I'm not old. I used to get sellers that come to me and say, you can't buy my house. You're only like 20 years old. You can't buy my house, right? And I still have that, that baby face. But I've been doing it for over 20 years now. I've got a team of people that help me buy and sell real estate. I've uh, been doing probably over 2,000 properties now. I don't, I don't count them really anymore, but it's, it's been over 2,000 properties. We still do over 100 properties per year. Um, but I have a wife and four kids. I live in Utah and I'm living uh, the life that I didn't even know was possible when I wanted freedom 20 some odd years ago. I didn't even know it was possible. Uh, I don't post on social media. You're not going to, I have no social media accounts where you're going to see that stuff because all those things I do are for me, but I have been blessed to live a wonderful life of travel and enjoyment and doing what I want with who I want when I want. I live that freedom life. I promise you guys I do. I was going to show you guys, read you guys in my journal uh, where I've been the last eight months, but I'm not going to do that. But just suffice it to say, I'm living a very blessed life and I am grateful for it. And it's for me and it's not for, uh, it's not to show the world. Okay. Um, today, what I want to talk to you guys about, uh, Bill said this sales, right? So Mike had the greatest intro to this ever. If you guys looked at that postcard, like you can take that postcard, send that out and you will get calls. And, you know, Bill talked yesterday about building a list and list source, building that equity list. If you follow that, if you do that and get a list and you use Mike's postcard, you will get phone calls. I promise you. And like he said, you don't want the most phone calls. You just want the screen phone calls with people who, who, or your, or your prospective clients. Right. But now what do you do when they call you? How do you get the sale? What are you going to do? Okay. So number one, I would say, we're not going to talk about leads here today. Mike did a great job about how you can get phone calls on uh, with direct mail. But number one, I would say, answer your phone. If you're sending direct marketing, answer your phone. And I would say an advantage you can have over me now even, because my team, uh, I've got a lead intake people that answer the phone live. And then I've got salespeople, right? But you can have an advantage over me if you answer the phone and you're the one that goes, sees, and, goes and sees them because you can start that rapport process right on the phone immediately and there's that continuity to go through. But regardless if it's you or somebody else on the phone, answer your phone, for heaven's sakes, answer your phone. And I'm gonna say it one more time, answer your phone. And you think it's common sense and absolutely it is not common practice. People will spend money on marketing, they'll do all the right things and not answer their phone, it drives me mad. Answer your phone, okay? If you get nothing else from this, answer your phone. Number two, I wanna echo what Mike said there. Consistency is king. You can send out that ninja postcard that Mike's got and it's awesome and it's dialed, but do it consistently. If you do it consistently, that works. So if you do those things, if you do them consistently and you answer your phone, you will get leads. Okay, now what the heck do you do with leads once you get those leads, okay? I'm gonna tell you guys, and I've got 
18 minutes to do it. So I could probably slow down a little bit, but I've got a lot of content I want to give you guys. I have closed hundreds of sellers. Closed meaning I've been in their kitchen table with, with them, knee to knee, talking to them about their situation. And I've signed contracts at the kitchen table hundreds of times. I don't do that anymore in person. My sales reps do that, but I teach them these same practices, okay? I teach them to do the same thing. Um, and the, the step one to that is, it's a thing I call pre-work. Now, I'm gonna talk fast, but I, I highly recommend to you guys write, write this down because there's two steps, right? Lead comes in, now what do I do? I've got a name, I've got an address, somebody wants to sell their property. They've got some level of motivation, right? Pre-work starts here. Before you go see this person in person, which by the way, I think you should go in person. Uh, I'm a big fan of closing in person because you can get a lot more. You can read a lot more. They'll be more truthful with you. You can like, you can get a lot more of the, uh, of the situation and it'll be, it's easier to do this, the sale in person. So I know people close over the phone. We do that if we have to, if the people are living out of state, but by and large, I tell my reps, if you're in person or if they're in the state and it's possible, go be there in person. So there's another tip for you. Go in person, in my opinion. Okay. But before you go to their house, you have their property address, right? So you have to do what I call pre-work, pre-work, right? Here's what it consists of. I have their property address. I will put it into Google. I'll put it into the search engine, right? Google. You know, Google Earth. You guys have seen this, right? You can click on it. You can see the picture of the house on the street, right? I'm going to put in the address. I'm going to look at the picture of the house on the street. I'm going to use that cool little button and spin around. So basically, I'm going to be right in front of their house. I'm going to spin around and see the neighborhood, right? Then I'm going to click out of that and I'm going to get that, you know, that map view of it. And from that map view, I can see, are there major freeways around them? Are there schools around them? Are there parks around them? Is there a junkyard next to them, right? These are all the things that I can see. I, what am I getting there? I've got, with the 30 seconds, the first 30 seconds of doing that, I've seen the house. I know what it looks like visually. I know what the neighbors look like. And I kind of know what's in the general neighborhood, right? So that's highly important that you can see that stuff, right? So do that. Number two, then go get the specific property information that you can find online. So online, you can find the information about like, um, what's the date it was built? What's the square footage? What's the bedrooms, bathrooms, garages, things like that, right? So you can get that technical information on that. And then if you can, I would get an old MLS listing, multiple listing service. Uh, some of you guys are not real estate agents, but connect with a real estate agent if you can and get that old listing. If there's an old listing, it'll show you all the specs on the house. And if you can't get that, get the tax information, tax data information, right? So now you know what the property looks like. You've got the tax information, right? So you know what property you're analyzing. Right. That's what's important because you're analyzing this is pre-work. And by the way, this is going to take you about 15 to 30 minutes when you get good at it before you go see this person. I'm going to talk about why it's important before you go see the people. Right. But you're getting to know the house. This is all the stuff that's just the data driven stuff. Now that I know the house, I know what it looks like. I know the stuff surrounding it. And I know the, the specifics on it. I'm going to start pulling comparables. I'm going to pull three different types of comparables. Okay. By the way, guys, people think they're telling you, like, what's your house worth? If you ask anyone, what's your house worth? If you ask an appraiser, what's your house worth? What are they going to tell you? To who, uh, for what, for what purpose? Is this for a refinance or a resale? Or what, what are you trying to do here, right? Real estate values are pretty subjective. They're subjective, right? What's it worth when it's fixed up? What's it worth now? What's it worth to a developer? What's it worth to a landlord? I, I don't know, what's it worth, right? So because it's subjective, right? It's, a, it's not in a super efficient market that way. So I'm looking for three different types of values for this property in my pre-work, okay? I know what this property is. What are the three values I'm looking for? Number one, I'm looking for what is this property's like maximum if I fixed it up to the nines, the granite, the stainless, all that stuff, what's the max this thing's going to be worth, right? So I'm looking for that max value. People might call it an ARV, after repaired value. So you need to know that, number one. What is it? What's the max potential on this if it's all dolled up, okay? Number two, and I want to look at some evidence for that. You'll kind of see, right? Some evidence for that. Number two, I want to see uh, what's this property like homeowner grade. Most of us have lived in our house for a few years. The carpet's a little bit dated. It's not totally up to date, but it might be in good shape, right? 
what's the homeowner grade? What's that worth? Like if it's not totally fixed up and flipped, what's that worth? Okay. Homeowner grade. And by the way, when I'm doing this, I highly recommend you get access to the MLS. There's ways to do that. You can either be a real estate agent. If you're not a real estate agent, you get assistant access through a real estate agent. But I highly recommend you do this because by the way, as you're doing this and as you're comping properties and as you're doing your pre-work, you'll start to build what I call this mental MLS. You'll start to get a feel for neighborhoods because you're like, oh, I've looked at that house. I've looked at that one. You'll start to know. Once you've done this hundreds of times, you'll get to know now houses, neighborhoods, and the different styles and values. Does that make sense? So you want to you have access to MLS. I know in the beginning, some people are like, well, I have to have a real estate agent pull it for me. I don't like that. I want to be able to pull it myself because it builds me. It forces me to go through it. I'm in touch with this property, okay? So anyway, get the MLS if you can or get assistant access, right? That's not what I'm going to talk about here today, but I highly encourage you to do it. So first type is ARV. Second one is homeowner grade value of the property. The third value you're going to want to get uh, is what I call, uh, I had a term for it, but the, the beat up houses, the as is houses, the bank owned properties when they used to have those. We don't have those as much anymore, right? What is like the cheap, just as is value of that property? You want to find those. And for all three of those types, you want to know what are the value? What's the max for this? What's the homeowner grade? And what's the cheapest comps that have sold that are just like dirty as is comps, okay? When you get that, I highly recommend that you save those as a PDF and a file. What I'll do is I'll have a file. If that property's on 123 Easy Street, I'm going to name the file 123 Easy Street. And in there, I'm going to save the three different types of comps as PDFs. I'm going to put ARV, I'm going to put a homeowner grade, and I'm going to put uh, as is comps, okay? You want to have those. You need to have those kind of in your arsenal. So once you've got that, uh, now you've, you've done your pre-work. Now you understand generally what this house should be able to sell for in various different levels. You understand all the data-driven stuff of the house, right? This is all stuff you don't have to do on the phone with the seller. And this is all stuff you're gonna do before you're going to see the seller, okay? So now it's very important that you've done all that stuff, you've done your homework. So now you know generally the values and where you wanna be in the purchase price of this house. Does that make sense? You need to know that before you go out there because now you're gonna go see this seller. You don't need to be figuring that while you're there with the seller. You could have done that before. You did your pre-work before that. So now when you go there to this person's house, you're there to see the house, yes, but you're there to focus on the seller. So here's some of the things I want you to, to know, right? When you're going to see the seller, um, be you. Don't be Andy McFarland. Don't say, well, Andy said I needed to do this. I needed to sell like that. Here's the things I need to say. No, be you, because people can snip it when you're being fake. You guys have sensed this before, right? Don't be fake, be you. Sell like you, just be you, okay? I'm gonna explain these things today, how I do it and how I show up with that. You might need to, you can maybe do that or maybe you can alter it to what works for you. But what I'm telling you is these, these things work, right? You're going there to see the seller. I 100%, I get into this mindset uh, space of when I, before I go see the seller, one, I show up early. Um, I show up to the property, the, the area early because I want to drive around the neighborhood to just confirm the stuff I already found in my pre-work. Does that make sense? Is there anything for sale in the neighborhood? Is there anything that's rough? Is there anything different than what I thought? I'm driving the neighborhood just to see because I want to educate myself for that. And then I want to show up a little bit early anyway, because there's certain types of sellers. And some of you guys are, might be like this, that if somebody shows up late, whether it's a plumber or whether it's an electrician or whatever, how do you feel about that? Some of you, you're like, they don't respect me. They don't respect my time. I'm not going to sell to this person, right? So you're going to offend 20% of the people if you show up five minutes late. So don't, you can control that. Show up early, drive the neighborhood, be there, show up five minutes early or three minutes early, whatever it is, and be there for that seller. They're already impressed you do they're there. And what I'm going to do uh, what do I show up with? People ask me what I show up with. I used to show up with this, just this. It's an iPad. I'd show up with that, just in my hand like that. Hi, how are you? Meet them, right? For the first time, that first impression, I'm there to focus on them. I do have an iPad in my hands. I'm there to focus on them. And all I'm trying to do there, my mindset is I'm getting all of that slick 
that sales, that preconceived notion of who they think I might be. I'm getting that all off of me. I'm 100% there to focus on them. And my mindset is this. I'm 100% there to make a friend. I'm there to make a friend. I've never met them before. I don't know their story. I'm, I'm extremely interested in them. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be there. And I want them to see that. I'm smiling. I'm introducing myself. I'm asking their name. I'm there to do that, right? I might buy a house, but I'm certainly going to make a friend that day because I'm there for them. I want to understand them. Hopefully that makes sense, right? Um, you guys ever watch that? Uh, oh, and by the way, when I'm doing that, I'm going there with no assumptions. So sometimes you think, you know, like you're reading through the lead, you're like, oh, this person's probably this, they're probably that, they're probably thinking this, this is probably how they are. Zero assumptions. I'm taking all, anything that's been found before is not relevant. I'm going right there. Like I'm diving deep into them. Everything I notice, everything they say, all the pictures on the wall, I'm just noticing and I'm absorbing everything. It's hundred percent focused on it. I'm just starting to absorb there. Okay. Um, you guys ever seen, there was this old comedy show. I might date myself. I think it was called Whose Line Is It Anyway? Give me the give me something in the in the notes if you guys have heard this before. Who's lying anyway? Have you ever seen this before? Yep, Bill Allen's the only one, just me and Bill. Okay, cool. There's people. Here's what I, I thought. What this is this was my memory of what I think that show was. Right? You've got these improv actors that are coming into a scene, and the cool part is we get to watch them come into a scene, but they have no idea what happened before. Right? So they're entering into the scene, and there's all this stuff that you know has happened before, and they got to figure it out. So they're seeing people do different stuff, and you're like, okay. What's going on here? And they're just, they're asking questions and they're like noticing things and they're figuring out their whole environment. That's kind of how I see this with a seller. I'm going there with no assumption. Like, okay, I'm recreating what's going on here. I'm asking them lots of questions. What's important to them? Who are they? Tell me about the house. And all the while, so it's not awkward. I'm saying, well, walk me around the house because they all think you're there to see the house. And I am kind of, I'm there to confirm the stuff I saw in my pre-work, but I'm all the while they're walking me around. This is our excuse for being there but I'm like asking them questions, right? Did you grow up here? Tell me about this house, right? Oh, darn it, guys, I forgot this. We need to rewind. Can we rewind this conversation seven minutes ago? Please don't forget this. If you're writing stuff down, star this and circle it. When you're getting that lead, when you're talking to the person, you absolutely need to do this. You need to say, hey, Mrs. Seller, whoever it was, Jane called me. Hey, Jane, hey, I'm gonna be coming out there to have a look at your house. Grateful, you know, looking forward to meeting you, obviously. Hey, is there any other decision makers? Is there anybody else like it's your husband? Who else is on the title? Who else owns the property with you? And if like, it's just me, you know, there's no one else, or you, you're asking that question. Anybody else involved in that decision? Extremely important question, guys. Extremely important question. You want to know all the decision makers, all the people that are on title. And when you're setting that appointment, I want them both to be there. If they're like, oh, my husband works, you can just meet with me. I'm going to make any excuse. I'm going to be like, you know what? Actually, when does he get home? Does he get home at five o'clock at night? You know, what? I'll actually be in the area on Wednesday night. Will he be there on Wednesday night as well? I want to be there with both of them at the same time. Because you need to have both decision makers there. When I'm there gathering all this information about the person in the house, if there's two decision makers, they're not in the same mindset. I need to sell both of them. I need to understand what's going on with both of them. You guys are, those of you guys that are married, right? Do you and your wife or do you and your husband think the same way? No, you've got different goals, right? And you're certainly going to talk about stuff. And if you're both the ones making the decision to sell, I need to understand what's making both of you guys tick because I'm making the sale to both of you. And if I can't understand why you're going to sell this property or what's important to each one of the decision makers, I can't appropriately do my job. Okay. So we're snapping back to our, uh, whose line is it anyway? So you're in there, understand the full situation, no assumptions, making a friend. And I do this by asking lots of questions because I don't know anything about their scenario. So I ask, I'm extremely interested in them. I ask questions a little bit about them to build rapport, but mostly focused on the house. And I'll just start probing and asking questions. And when they start talking, I'll let them talk and I'll ask follow-up questions with that. And I'm looking for things, ultimately, like they're going to tell me all this information, but ultimately I'm looking for a few different, I've got a few specific questions that I'm, I'm going to try to find out when we get down to the end, when we get down to nitty gritty. 
I want to know uh, what do they think the house is worth? I need them to say a number, right? If I haven't already got this in the pre-work uh, or on the initial phone call, what do you think the house is worth? And a lot of times people will play coy with you. They all play coy with you guys. I've seen it hundreds of times. They're like, oh, well, I don't really know. You tell me, what's, uh, what, are, how, what are they worth? I'm like, you don't have any idea? Like your neighbors, like certainly there's been a neighbor or somebody that's sold, right? And they'll give you a number that typically, oh, the houses like this are worth, you know, whatever. And they'll say a number. And you know from your pre-work if that's generally right or not, right? Uh, but I would always get them to say a number because I want to know in their mind what they think the property's worth, just generally, right? Um, then uh, I want to know through this conversation too, I'm going to dig for, you can call it their why, you can call it their reason for selling, whatever it is. There's a deeper reason why they're doing this. Maybe they got a job, they're relocating, maybe they're getting divorced, maybe they're I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff, guys, like the SWAT team broke in and raided the house and it's grandma's house and she can't handle it anymore emotionally because her grandson was there and got arrested, like craziness, right? I want to know all of that. I want to know that. And then I want to ask them the questions of grandma. Tell me what that was like when Johnny got pulled away. Like, what is that for you? Like, how does this make you feel about this? Like, I'm going to dig through all that stuff because I want to know their why at a deep level, right? So I know we don't have time to go through all these questions. Suffice it to say, I'm going there to make a friend and understand the whole situation about them. And until, guys, until you can do this, in my opinion, until you can state for them, so if I understand you right, Mrs. Seller, you want to sell this house because da, 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 and you want to sell it on this day, and you don't want to have to do anything, and you restate back to them everything that you just found out, or whatever those things are, until you can state all that, and they say, yes, that's exactly right. And then I can say, well, is there anything else I'm missing here? Because I know we've talked for a little bit, but I want to fully understand the situation. Like, you're unique. I've never met anyone like you before. Is there anything I'm missing here? And they're like, no, that's it. Like, I need to sell the house on this date for that and these things. And this is my reason. As soon as I feel like I really understand the true story there, now I can start. It goes back to that principle of seek first to understand then to be understood. It doesn't matter that I've been in hundreds of sellers' houses before, and I've seen a situation just like that. If I walk into them and say, oh, yeah, 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 don't worry, I'm, ex I'm an expert. We've done this before. We do this hundreds of times. Don't worry, we've got a great crew of people, and I know what you're going through, right? Your, your SWAT team and all stuff, I know what you're going through, right? I might be right, but she's not going to feel heard. She's not going to feel special. She's not going to feel that I understand her circumstances. But as soon as I've listened to her, that's what's going to endear her to me, that we've made a friend, we've built rapport, because I understand her. Not only do I understand her, I've restated it back to her and said, do you understand correctly? Is there anything I'm missing? No. Okay. Now I can go a couple different ways. Like, and I know I'm skipping through a lot of stuff because we don't have a lot of time, but I really did want to give you guys this value. Um, there's a couple of different ways that I'm going to get to kind of a closing question. Okay. Um, there's, in my experience, it's probably like a 70-30 split. Maybe it's 80-20. 20% of the people are kind of emotional and they know what they want. And you can kind of just get the numbers without the logical side. And it's going to look something like this. So what do you think your house is worth? And they're going to say, uh, whatever, $400,000. And I'm like, okay, like, how did you come about that number? And they're going to tell me. I'm like, okay, in this condition, you think it's worth that? And maybe it's not. I'm like, okay, well, here's the deal. What are you, if we can close on the day you want and all these things and give you everything you wanted, and we're going to take care of your friends, gerbils, you know, former roommate, we're going to do all that stuff for you. Everything you said, what would you sell the property for, right? And they're going to come to a number. And if you've done your rob right, they're going to understand the situation. And they're going to give you a number. And you know what number works for you, right? You should know from your pre-work number works for you. And if you can get them to a number that's like, that works for me, right? If I know I need to buy that house for 200000 and I can get them through that line of questioning and their emotion just to be like, hey, um, $195,000. Like, that's really what I need. If a cash as is, no fees, I'll take one ninety five and walk away today, okay? This is the emotional person that's just like going to make that decision. They kind of know what they want. You get them there. They don't need the logic, right? If I can get there, you guys are probably all thinking, 
the rookie is thinking this. They're like, bingo. I wrote down 200 grand I wanted. She just said 195. Let's get this thing done, right? Wrong. You don't do that. Not for your sake and not for their sake. Because I imagine if you go to somebody, you're going to any sales situation and you're like, you go to buy a car or whatever. And you're like, uh, and you as a buyer, you're like, hey, I'll give you, you know, $40,000 for it. And the salesperson's like, let's go write it up right now. How do you feel? You're like, oh my goodness, I just overpaid for this car, right? You start to have this buyer's remorse or in this way, seller's remorse, right? So when they say that 195, even if that's a number that works for me, I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, great question, guys. You should maybe write this one down. Great question. Okay, Mrs. Seller. So if I understand you right, if you can't get $195,000 for this house, then you, then you won't sell it. You sense the silence here? A little bit awkward. You want me to talk, don't you? Ask that question. I didn't say it was a bad price. I didn't say anything about it. All I said was restating to her what I heard her say. So if you can't get $195,000 for this house, then you're not going to sell it. And at that point, you're either going to see them like, well, that's fair. That's the price. I mean, that, I'm not going to go any lower. That's the price. Or they're going to say, well, I mean, I don't know. What were you thinking, right? If they waffle a little bit, this is why you were in person, right? You feel this body. If they waffle a little bit, you're like, okay, there's a little bit of room there. If they stand firm with that, but either way, and if they waffle, you can go a little bit lower. You can work something, right? But either way, I call this setting the hook. I want them to feel like they fought for it. I need to set that hook there and be like, let them feel like they won. Because even if I say, okay, great. You know what? If I could find a way to get the 195, is that something that would work for you? This and that, right? And then I'm going to go there and say, ultimately say, yes, we're going to have an agreement, sign, you know, shake their hand, and I'm going to sign the contract that day, right? Uh, but I want them to feel like that connection of like, yes, boom, they had to fought for this. And I'm also going to tell them, you did a great job. Like, you know, you got a great value out of this. I think it's fair for both of us, right? Just confirm their decision there from an emotion, that emotional standpoint, right? But you need to do that. You owe it to them to ask that question and even to get a little lower if you can, because that fight is going to make them feel so much better about it, I promise. And by the way, I know we went over this emotional one. I'm going to go over logical in a second, but I don't come in the house with a contract, all right? I come in the house with just this, but I have my contracts in the car and I have a checkbook in the car because I'm going to write them an earnest money check. Uh, and sometimes I'm going to write them like the check that day so they can cash it so they can do what they need to do if I heard that that's something they need to do, right? Um, but I always have a contract in the car and I'll always kind of ask them like, hey, is this even something you're willing, even willing to do today? If the decision makers aren't there and they're not willing to make a decision today, they're certainly not going to get a number out of me. What they're going to get is me learning everything and they're going to come back in a future day because I'm not going to make a commitment to them that they can't make to me. So make sure they can make a commitment. But if she's willing to make a commitment, is that something, if I can do the 195, is that something you're willing to do today? Um, yeah, I think so. <sighs> okay, him and ha, whatever. Let's do it. And I'm like, well, let me go grab the contract. And they're like, wait, you have a contract? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I always have a few in my car, you know, just in case to make sure we write this up, right? Now I go write up a simple, simple one page agreement, which Bill is giving away. You guys may have seen this yesterday, but have that thing, sign it up. We'll be, we'll go on our right, right? That's the emotional person. That's the 20%, guys. That doesn't happen most of the time, okay? Most of the time, what happens is people are logical. So I'm gonna ask them a similar same questions, like, what do you think your house is worth? I'm gonna kind of walk down this with them logically. Another reason I brought the iPad is if you guys seen the big calculator app, you seen the calculator app? I like the calculator app because then they can like use it and I like, can plug the numbers in for them or like let them do it. I'll even tell them, hey, do you, do you have a cell phone or a calculator or something? Let's talk about this. So I'll say, what do you think your house is worth? What are houses like this selling for? And they're going to tell me, ah, $400,000. Okay, great. Are you sure it's $400,000? Where did you come up with that number? If I like their number and if I can work with that number because I've got three different types of comps, right? I've got the ARV comps, the homeowner comps, and the as-is comps. If I can work with their number, say ARV is like 430, right? So they're a little bit low, more homeowner, like perfect. But if, I, if their ARV is actually like 350 and they say 400 and they're truly trying to hold me to that, uh, I need to do what I call educating the seller at that point, right? 
I'm not going to educate them unless I need to. If they come up with a number that works, I'm going to let them have that. Because here's another thing you can write down. Perception is reality to people. Perception is reality. Whatever they think is true. It doesn't matter what I tell them. I can't tell them. They, whatever they think is true. So all I'm trying to extract here is what do they think? What's important to them and what is true to them? So when they tell me their house is worth 400000 they obviously think that's true. I ask them how they came with that number. They tell me those things. The neighbor sold down the street. Perfect. If I can work with that number, I'll keep that number, okay? And then I'll ask them something like, well, you notice your neighbor's house down the street? I've done my pre-work. I've seen it, right? Uh, what is your house in the same shape as theirs? Or what do you think about that, right? Um, and they'll be like, oh, well, their house is a little bit nicer or whatever. So now I'm going to talk about the repairs of them a little bit. What do you think it would take to get your house into the shape of your neighbor's house, right? And they're going to come up with the number. If they come up with the number that I like, oh, it's probably going to take $70,000 to get it there. I'll leave it. If it's not, I'm going to educate them. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Um, and by the way, when you're talking about educating the seller on the value of the house, if I don't like their number and I need to educate them, I'm going to take one of my three different types of comps. I'm going to open up my iPad. I'm going to pull it off of my cloud hosted folder, like a Dropbox. And I'm going to say, you know what, Mrs. Seller? Uh, I know you said it was worth 400 and I don't, I didn't know either before I came here, what these were worth. So let's take, can we look at a couple of houses that were similar to your house? And they'll be like, oh, that makes sense. I pulled up some. I'm not a real estate agent, but I pulled up some houses. There's similar stuff that sold. Let's look at them. I'm going to pull it up and I'm going to scroll through the MLS listings with them of the houses that I feel are most appropriate, right? And I'm going to show them those houses and we're going to discover together what your house is worth. Oh, look at this house. This was your neighbor's house. Uh, they're about your same square footage. Uh, they've got a little you know, nicer yard, this and that. And they sold it for, oh, wow, $3.95. Perfect. And then they sold it with a real estate agent. Did you notice that? They sold it with these two agents and agents typically charge 3% each side. It's like 6%. There's some closing costs. But anyway, they sold it with an agent. You're right. There you go. And they, there's a little line there called concessions. Did you see that concession? They gave $5,000. They're like, what's a concession? Glad you asked. It's like closing costs, right? It's things like that. They might have a home warranty or you know, credit towards their, their, their loan fees, whatever, right? It's like that. So that's five thousand dollars. So I'm gonna show them that. I'm gonna scroll through about six other comps, right? This one sold for three eighty. This one sold for three eighty seven. This one sold for four hundred one. This one sold for for three ninety. Just Mrs. Seller. After we've seen those ones, and I didn't know either before I came here. What do you think your house is worth? How are they gonna tell me at that point their house is worth four fifty? They're probably gonna say from those numbers, ah, uh, three ninety. Okay, cool, right? So that's kind of how you'd educate somebody if they need educating on that first number. Then you go to the second number. Um, you know, what's the, what's the house, what the repairs on the house, their number, not my number. They come up with that number. And I say, look, it's a typical, this is like the logical close, right? Okay. If you sold your house for $390,000, like your neighbors did, they paid a real estate agent 6%. There's some closing costs there. Let's call it 8% or 10%. So 390 minus 10%. What is that math? And they're like, oh man, that's $39,000. Yeah. So I don't know what that math is. Okay. It's somewhere in there. So you got down to whatever three, I don't know what that number is, 60 or something. Okay. And now you've got some repairs. What do you say the repairs were? And they're like, uh, you know, $70,000. Like, okay, if I like the number, see how I'm backing off all this number. We're going to get to a number at the end of that. And they're going to be like, Andy, are you offering me $270,000 for my house? And I'm going to say, look, uh, I like you. We're friends and stuff. I'm a real estate investor. I do this to make a profit. Like I have to, I have to make some money on this. And what do you think is an appropriate profit? Right. And they're like, I don't know what you do. I'm like, well, what would you do this for? Change your place, right? To buy a house, take the risk and put $70,000 into it and hope the market's good when you sell. Like, what would you do it for? I'm like, I don't know. How much do you normally make? But this is going to be a conversation. They're going to say a number, right? And that number's coming off of there too. And then they're going to be like, are you offering me 230 or whatever thousand dollars for my house? And I'm going to see their reaction there, right? 
And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I just, we just did the math together. What do you think about that? See where I'm going here? Logical. All came from their value, their uh, remodel, uh, appropriate profit. We talked all through that together. So every line item was true. Now we're to the bottom. They're asking me that. I have not made them an offer. I'm not making them an offer. I'm watching how they react to that offer. And they say, oh, 230. How do you feel about that? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I was kind of thinking it was something like that. I was kind of thinking that, right? Or they're going to be like, there's no way. No way I would ever sell for that. No way. Like, okay, well, what were you thinking? There was a number. I would never sell for a penny less than, right? They're going to sell me something right there. I'm going to get that from them. But you can see how I can get them to a logical way. They're going to say this number. And I haven't had to make the offer. I haven't even made that offer yet. But I have the opportunity. If they come and say 230, I'm like, okay, was that something you would sell for? If I could do that, is it something you're even willing to do, right? And then if they're like, ah, him, yeah, if, if you're willing to do that, I'm like, oh, let me put my pencil to paper, see if there's something we could do. Let me think about this. And then I still might set the hook a little bit. I still might change some parameters. I still might go in there and say, uh, maybe try to get 5,000 off or something, some sort of term, you know, get a subject two in there. If you guys heard me yesterday, might try to do something just to set that hook to make them feel better about it. And then of course, I'm gonna sign that contract today because I did this in front of all the decision makers. I knew all this stuff was important to each one of them. I'm gonna close them both at the same time, boom, together. We're gonna sign this one today. So anyway, that's how I do the logical decision maker. Um, and by the way, here's a great closing question too. I know I went through this fast and I don't think I have a, a lot more time. Bill can come on here and tell me that. But here's a great question. They trust you. They like you. You've spent time building a relationship with them. You're friendly. You, they, you just listen to them and they told you all this stuff was important and you restated it back so you understood them. You can't skip those parts, guys. You can't skip those parts. If they get to that place, you can ask them something like, you know, if you're going to sell to somebody, you know, uh, is there a reason why you wouldn't trust me with that? Would you trust me to help you with that? Mr. and Mrs. Seller. And it's going to be hard for them to tell you that they don't trust you. They don't like you. You're sitting right there, right? Is that something you trust me to help you with? Would you trust me to help you with that? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we're going to sell it to anybody. I'm like, I know you have these problems. You have these things. We need to do this. We need to move by that date. And if I can get it done and this, and I'm going to restate all that stuff back here. We're at this number, this 230. So Mrs. Seller, if I can buy this house for you by next Friday, we can get all, you leave all this stuff. And I can get you some money today so you can catch up your phone bills, so you can help your son do that, and you can do those things, all these things you understand. If I can do all that for you, and if I can stretch up to your 230, is there any reason you wouldn't trust me to let you help you with that? No, I mean, you answered all our concerns. Perfect. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. I think it's a fair deal for both of us. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to sign it up right there. Does that make sense? So that's probably the 70%, maybe 80% of the way that I would close people like that. I would. I would go down that logical road. And by the way, uh, I was never deceitful. I was never like dishonest with them that way. I was just helping them come to a place mentally to do the things they needed to do anyway. So that was, that was the sale, right? I wasn't trying to sell dishonestly. I know where they need to be. They've already told me those things. I understand them. If they're going to sell to anybody else, if we're gonna have anybody else help solve that problem, why not me? That's the mindset I went to there. Why not me? And uh, most of the time, I, I was pretty good. Most of the time, they're selling it to anybody, they're selling it to me. So, uh, Bill, how did I do on time? You did great. And uh, if you got more, you can keep going if you want to. I mean, I, I don't ever want to tell you to get off the stage. Okay. Like, Andy is the best. Don't you guys think? I like, be aware look at this chat. Time. He's the GOAT, you 20 guys. years in the industry. Like, you could be in Hollywood. Nobody ever told I'll me I'll answer I whatever questions you guys I got to turn my there. camera on. I'll give you guys some more. I'll give you guys some more value, instant value, too. If you want to get better at it, sell like you, be like you. But here's some great books. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. This has got some great things in it, right? Be you though. Don't, I mean, use this stuff. These are great things to use, but be you, sell like you. I like this book, by the way, better than Chris Voss's book. I like this one better, ready? 
Roger Dawson, The Secrets of Power Negotiating. I like this book even better than Chris Voss's. He's got like, I think he calls them negotiating gambits, but there's like 40 or 50 of them in there that if you just use a couple of those, if you use a couple of them, it'll just get you that little bit better, right? That little bit better. Um, like little things, like one of the negotiating gambits he's got in there is um, when they say like, if she's at 2.30, right? And, and I'm like, oh, she's like, well, what are you thinking? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was more like, you know, 220, right? And she's like, okay, well, what if, what if we did 225? I'm going to say, because that's logical, right? I'm going to say, okay, so you're saying 225. Like I'm locking her in at that value, right? So you're saying, okay, so you're saying you do 225. She split the difference and I'm taking that 225 and I'm not locking in. I'm saying, okay, so you're saying 225. God, we're only $5,000 off, <sighs> right? Okay, what if we could, do you see where I'm doing there? You see how that kind of works? So little gambits like that he talks about, you can take that. If you just get good at those things, it, I'm telling you, 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 can, you can crush that. Like, and by the way, the sellers need you to do that. They need you to be there, to be a professional, to understand all the options, all the tools. Um, Bill was talking about yesterday about seller financing training I did. I the, the cash hammer, that's definitely one tool that most people, the only tool I know I use, I'll pay you 230 cash. Um, you owe it to yourself to be a professional, to know the other tools, to know the seller financing stuff, to understand if they've owned this property, if it's their primary residence and they've got tax-free sale coming here, tax-free gain, or if this is a property that they've owned for 40 years that they've bought for 30 grand that they're selling for $400,000 that they've depreciated the heck out of and when they sell it, they're going to pay capital gains and they're 65 years old and they're paying social security and now they're going to have this fat gain put on top of them. Their social security, which was previously untaxed, is now going to be taxed and ah, they're going to deal with garbage, right? You need to understand that you can enter them into something called an installment sale. And it's better for you and it's better for them and what that is and what that looks like. Those are just tools that you need to understand as a real estate professional. Don't get too, you know, whatever with that right now. No, you're going to get a phone call from a seller. You're going to be on the phone with them. You're answering it live. You're going to send them Mike's postcard. You're going to answer it live. You're going to ask them some questions. Um, then you're going to go see that person. You're going to do your pre-work. You're going to understand the property so you can focus on them when you get there. When you get there, listen to them, learn their story. Don't assume anything. Get there with them. And if they're going to have anybody solve the problem and you understand their problem, why wouldn't they trust you with that? Why would they trust you with that? You sign it up. I promise you they'll thank you. You'll end with hugs. You'll end with high fives. You'll end with friends. I've got so many people, so many stories over the years of people that I help that are good friends. I mean, one story, one story, ready? USS Arizona, the oldest living survivor of the USS Arizona who just passed away, actually. His name was Ken Potts. You can Google him. I went to see him with this house. Like you meet the coolest people with this, right? You meet the coolest people that you would not meet in any other situation scenario. And you have an opportunity to go in there and bless their life uh, and meet them. And sometimes they're calling you because they're in a distressed situation. So be that person that like, actually cares enough to listen to them, to help them. And it's, and you can make money doing this. I get to pinch me that I get to make money by helping people solve their problems. And they're grateful for me. They're super grateful for me doing that. Cool. So I know as I've gone over time, Bill is very gracious to let me go over time, but Thank you guys. And like I said yesterday, I will be at Flip Back and Live. I've been at every single one of them since 2016. This will be the eighth year. I'm wearing the shirt. I promise you guys it's worth your time. It's worth your money. Like you will get something there. If you got anything today from me or Mike, I promise you get something there that'll be worth your time. It's worth your money and your time to be there. So with that, Bill, you can have it back.